0: Okay, and we're back, and this time we're going to be talking about email. Email. And the reason why uh, this is like literally a conversation we've put off having for four months waiting to find an opportune um, opportunity <laughs> to sit in front of the microphones and talk about it here. So basically, um, Andre here would like us to get new email accounts with services that are not only secure but also private and end-to-end encrypted right. to avoid various forms of surveillance.
1: So let me just make define a, a couple of those terms. Great. Um, so um, private, um, in this case, um, means simply that uh, it's not being used for tracking. Um, we and probably everybody listening to this have <laughs> Gmail accounts or Outlook accounts with Microsoft or um, some other um, email provider. Yahoo. Um, they are free freeware, uh, and they get their money by serving you ads. Um, and. And uh, some of those providers, I believe right now Yahoo, for example, still scans your emails uh, and the content of it and serves you um, directed ads based upon the contents of your email. That would be whatever you've bought, your receipts, um, your travel plans, um, the kinds of words you use in your messages. Uh, that's just why, how Yahoo Mail makes its, its ad revenue, how it serves you personalized ads based, based on this. So um, obviously when your mail is on their server, uh, it is um, in a, maybe it's inaccessible to everybody, but but there are parts of their system that, that can access it and that scan it um, in order to serve you personalized ads. Um, as far as I know now, uh, Google, Gmail, and Outlook, uh, Microsoft do not personally scan uh, the contents of your email to create profiles on you and to serve you ads. They The, the contents of your mail are not read by their servers uh, um, in order to serve you personalized ads. However, all of the stuff is scanned for viruses and malware, and that seems to be a legitimate sort of thing for it coming into them, especially, particularly attachments uh, that can have problems in them so um they do they do not actually scan and they haven't i don't think since 2018 or 2019 outlook and um, google don't actually scan your your messages so they are in that sense somewhat private now of course google knows who it comes from uh, when it comes to you and um, they are probably using some of that information to create social graphs Um, but it's it's largely largely up until now, decently private.
0: So it's probably metadata at a harvesting for other purposes, right? But not necessarily personalized ad scanning, or you know, like you said, yeah, survey they, ads. they do
1: they give t- contextual ads um, based upon their different things. They, do, they still do survey ads in Gmail because um, it is um, advertisement paid for paid for by ad- advertisement. So um, and it, Gmail is quite is very secure meaning that uh, Gmail is excellent security uh, especially if you have two-factor authentication turned on that means you're using uh, one of those kind of one-time codes um, generated by an app or if you have a little security key that you use those are very very secure Google is very secure um, yeah so the uh, but it's not particularly private and there's two two kinds of private so there's uh, private in the sense um, that uh, as far as we know Google's not scanning everybody's Stuff and at rest, it's encrypted on their servers. Not everybody at Google can go and look at it if they want to. The administrators certainly can, and if they are delivered a subpoena uh, by any law enforcement activity, they they certainly can turn over that information um, to the authorities or to um, to a lawyer or to a judge or anything.
0: So, as I think it's important to say here, as we have before, if your threat model includes state level actors, you're probably listening to the wrong <laughs> podcast. Right.
1: So. Um, there was a recent story of a, a guy who sent um, uh, pictures of his child uh, to the pediatrician, which were flagged as child pornography, and he was shut out of his account.
0: Oh, like it was like a teledoc sort of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was just sending – he was using his Gmail account. and he's, For he his was, own child. His own child. took a picture of yeah. probably the
0: child's naked body in some location. Right.
1: It was tagged as – To just
0: get a health diagnosis. Right.
1: Just part of the diagnosis – flagged his child pornography and he was shut out of his account right it was a and big that's, pain just a, for that's an
0: algorithmic thing it's not a right there's not probably yeah. somebody
1: was not looking at that it was just mm. saying okay this this fly our ai bots flag mm. this as pornography mm. and so at that point he gets flagged all of the contents of his uh g drive gmail his drive get downloaded by the, the authorities who now have perfect transparent access to everything every absolutely everything because as soon as google unlocks it with their key than anybody who because they ha- they are the ones who have the encryption key so
0: and it. so it's not restricted just to that email with those photos it's absolutely everything he's ever done on Google is now right it's open it's basically open to transparent
1: to anybody who has the keys to open it that doesn't mean everybody's being looked at all the time but there's right. certainly scanning going on all the time but um, right. usually there's just too few people for them to be do, mu- do much but if they but if they um if they are served a, a subpoena or whatever, have d- probable cause, they can just unlock it all and the authorities right. have everything, uh, or anybody can have everything. Right. And there are rogue employees probably can get access to, although I think they're probably pretty strict internal controls about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would be, that's private and basically secure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same would be the case for Outlook and the same would also be the case for, um, you know, for Yahoo. It would be bit secure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of it most times is just being looked at by the computer not by a person.
0: Okay. But that so that's on the the sender end we're talking about here.
1: Okay. Right. By but the, there's one other term. Okay. Um end to end encrypted. Right. Um, so on the other uh, there's another level of encryption um, where in that the last case we talked about where is all the data would be sent away and would be perfectly visible to everybody where that couldn't happen. And that would be is if you used something that was using what's called end-to-end encrypted. That means that when you send your data or when you send your email on your machine, before it's uploaded to the internet, it's actually encrypted there. And the encryption keys to unlock it are um, your keys and not the services keys. So in that case, there's a very well-known, some well-known email providers, probably the most well-known is ProtonMail um it's end to end encrypted that means your messages and the stuff in your inboxes is, is inaccessible to proton they don't they can't they don't have the keys if they're told to give it over they can hand over the 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 message but it's just meaningless garbage they can't read it um, the metadata is some of the metadata is there but but the content would be illegible
0: okay all right so with all that in mind, mm. we both have free gmail accounts right. that we use have been using for years and years yeah, so our sunk costs are pretty enormous Yeah, everybody
1: knows us through these accounts
0: right and i also have a paid gmail account which apparently is more private than the free kinds um but you have been talking about us getting proton mail or some other form right. or even our own you know evidently you can just make up your own um email domain and use Well, it. Those, are,
1: those are different. Those are two different things. Okay. Having right. your own domain and having a email services are separate things. Okay.
0: But you have been talking about proposing the idea of switching over to something that is entirely private end-to-end encrypted. Right. And my objection, and that's what we have put off discussing till now, <laughs> for you listeners, I don't understand the point of doing it if most of the people we're going to be sending emails to are at gmail.com or at outlook.com or some other, you know, privacy, leaky, right. not encrypted other side. So I don't quite get the point because it seems like it might be encrypted on my side, but nobody I'm communicating with other than you will be <laughs> encrypted in private. So what is the advantage? So now is your chance to make the case to me why we should do this.
1: Uh, well, I, first of all, that email itself is not a very, it's not private. So when we are sending email, it's that's one of the oldest protocols of the internet, and it's just simply not a very private way of, of doing things. So things are sent. You have to have, for example, the email address is just like a web address, um, and when you send something, you that is sent in clear text on the internet. Anybody everywhere can. Read that going because it needs it needs it needs to know where it's going, um, so that is sent. So um, you're
0: saying the destination, not the content of the an content, email, the is transparent. Right. That,
1: that it has to be because it has to be able to search for it like right. on on the open net, right? So if it's an email going to somebody, you know that it's it's passing through some known known services, right? So that's okay. just just a general characteristic of email, right? That that doesn't mean people can read the content, but um, but it's not a particularly secure. Um, or private sort of uh, mm-hmm. transaction that's going on there. Okay. Now there were uh, earlier on a bunch of uh, among the cypherpunks people were who were doing uh, mixing and mix netting and all kinds of ways of obfuscating the origin and destination of email going through various servers, um, etc. Some th- something like a predecessor to what now is the Tor network or the onion onion uh, routing. Um, and there are still now mixers and messengers that that try to to thwart uh, tracking in, by various means. But the, the fact is, something like email, email protocol is still um, relatively transparent. That's okay. just the, the nature of it. Um,
0: okay. So that you're so far, you're convincing me all the more that it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I, uh, well, I, I think you're going somewhere with this.
1: Yeah, I think the the first argument I would make uh, is that. Uh, I think I'd like to move over from free services, where which are paid for by our eyes, mm-hmm. um, to ones where we're paying for what we get. That's mm-hmm. the main thing, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, I'd like to pay for a service rather than have uh, mysterious inputs on my part going into a black box of a money-making machine um, to which I'm contributing in unknown ways. Right. Well, we've be, talked
0: about this before, the principle yeah. of paying, paying for cyber things. Yeah. So, with money rather than with attention or metadata. Right.
1: So I think, in, in general, I think that would be a good way of doing it. Now, mm. yeah. So anyway, that you have also... Okay,
0: well I mean that argument makes sense to me. And so presumably if you're paying for your email service, right. then they have and and they are uh, marketing themselves to you as being private end-to-end encrypted that they're not extracting attention or metadata from you, then they are highly incentivized to abide by that promise because they're actually getting cash from you and the whole reason you're giving them cash is because they're not extracting value yeah, from you. Yeah, their
1: business model is is keeping your um keeping their contract with you um, and not scanning your inbox and keeping as things as private as they can. Right. Um,
0: so would this be more like in the model of like being an early adopter of anything like say, I don't know, organic food? Let's not talk about whether organic is as good as it claims to be. But the idea of like you're, you're the first one to start eating organic, um, even though there's lots of chemical, industrial agriculture yeah, I, I all around in I order think... to, like, make it more mainstream and encourage other people to adopt the same.
1: Yeah, I think there's, uh, uh, I guess, a moral element to that. Um, okay. Paying for a service rather than... Um, choosing to pay for something rather than take a free service with mysterious methods uh, that are going on in the background.
0: Right, okay.
1: Um, uh, I would think that would be the, kind of one of the main arguments. The other one is one of control mm-hmm. uh, in the sense um, that um, when we're going through another company um we're we're giving up some degree of control to them over whether they choose to continue to provide that service or not or whether your your address at gmail.com uh it it doesn't really kind of belong to you it's it's Mm. yours at the behest of the company Mm -hmm. um whereas if say you purchase your own domain um and um, create your own email addresses it's more portable and more belongs to you if one particular email service provider decides to you know um, go out of business or block you for whatever reason you can go to another provider or if you are unsatisfied with a particular email provider you can simply go to another by changing some dns records at your Love so ones. I think that's
0: really important to say, which is that if you own your own email domain.
1: Right, your domain. Then just, it's not just an email domain. It's just the, just the domain, domain, the whole right. domain.
0: Yeah. So if we had, we don't have it, like disentanglementpodcast.com. Right. Right. We could get email there, but we could use any number of providers. Right. Gmail or Yahoo or Outlook or ProtonMail or FastMail or any of those. And um to, as the, the actual service provider right. without ever changing the email address. That's correct. But you can do that if you own it. But you cannot do that if you have an at gmail.com address. No, you can't you, you can get Yahoo to start doing you it for you You can't just instead.
1: easily transfer that to some other service provider. Right. right. So that, right, that would be... Right now I'm talking about having your own domain. And this mm-hmm. is something that's suggested by some advocates. Um, again, I don't think for most people this is truly... Necessary. It's simply sort of a step towards more data autonomy and mm-hmm. owning, owning your own um, internet presence, mm-hmm. um, being responsible for it yourself, and um, also taking, having a, a degree of freedom that comes right. at, a bit at a cost of, uh, at the expense of effort.
0: Right. So like in the case of my paid Gmail account, it's not at gmail.com. It's at my domain name dot com, which means that if I wanted to extract myself from the Google system, which I do eventually, I would never have to change the email address I use associated with that. No, you would
1: would simply just reassign it. You would simply because that domain name is is leased or rented year-to-year year from a domain service provider, right. and you would simply go there and transfer. There's some records you can change in order to right. direct email towards a different yeah. So companies like
0: that are like Gandhi or... Yeah, uh, GoDaddy or GoDaddy or, or, or Namecheap uh, name or parts,
1: Njala right. or there's, right. a, there's a bunch yeah. of different ones.
0: So we're not going to walk you folks through this because <laughs> no. y- there's lots of instructions on the internet about right. how to do this. But so you, just so you know, if you own your own domain, right. then you can have your email through any number of different service providers. You're not stuck. Whereas if you have a gmail.com, yahoo.com, et cetera, right. you're stuck with them as their right. service provider as well as the email address. Right. Okay.
1: Right. Um, yeah. So,
0: so then, what is the so if this is mainly that you know encouraging paid for cyber right. services and having some more autonomy about changing service providers by having your own domain name, is there any benefit when you're still sending emails to Gmail.com and Outlook.com addresses? That's that's what I was stuck well, on. But now I, I, your other two arguments make a lot of sense to me. At this point, we're not worried about whether it's private or encrypted on the other end,
1: right? That it. Just to clarify, if you're sending a mail to Gmail, it is encrypted on the other end. But Gmail has the keys. So if they want to unlock it and look at it, they will. Mm. Now, typically they don't. They've got too many billions of trillions of emails going daily. They are not interested in looking at things until they get a a request, usually from law enforcement or from the government or somebody. but uh, the advantage, I would say, it's, it's not in, in a matter of hiding all of this stuff eventually. Obviously, if you're sending a message to somebody at Gmail, um, anybody could go to Gmail and say, I want you to get the messages from this account because we know this person sent there. So it would be sort of transparent. Usually within there, are the, the two uh, or the several encrypted, end-to-end encrypted um, email providers, and the two of the most famous ones are, are, are Tutanota and ProtonMail, Within their ecosystem, your messages are in fact completely end-to-end encrypted, and they have no access, one way or the other. They they probably they know who sent it and um, who received it, and probably when, because that's time-stamped and it needs to be. But everything else would be would be encrypted within within their ecosystem. Okay. And that, yeah, that would be whether you're using your own domain domain name or not.
0: Okay. Well, you know, it occurs to me, even as I'm saying this, like, even being very concerned about privacy or encryption is a little bit silly, because, like, seriously, if you're sending something that sensitive by email, maybe you should reconsider your strategy. Because, like, email is, is humanly speaking, very leaky. Anything you receive, you can forward, you can screenshot, you can copy, you can archive. So, like, don't send that stuff by email, right? I mean, I think that would be yeah, if you one, of to the, one of the lessons here. Yeah, if you to
1: private things digitally, uh, messengers are... Somewhat more secure, um, something like Signal mm-hmm. uh, is a more secure way to send things mm-hmm. um, over the internet if you need to. That doesn't mean that somebody can't, you know, take a picture of the screen or screenshot it or whatever. It's not right. totally private, but it's right. somewhat more. Secure
0: but there, there. If than, if the real concern is it, it, encryption or total privacy, then probably you just don't want to be using email anyway.
1: Probably not. No. Right. Uh, right. Unless you're trying to be obfuscating or something.
0: Right. Right. Which probably means uh, any of you out there who are carelessly sending, like, your credit card number or your passport photo like you had to do for your COVID test. Yeah, like I was required to do. Like, reconsider that stuff.
1: It's totally unacceptable for for anybody to to ask you to send things like that over email, which is why most financial institutions, um, those of you out there in Internet land will know, will have a secure message box, which requires you to go to their site. Right. And then you go into this message area where you can read the message. They won't send things over email. And right. I think that's part of financial regulation that they aren't allowed to send right. certain kinds of sensitive information as email.
0: Okay. Well, this has been helpful. We should have done this months ago.
1: Well, and, and the other the other thing is that um it is and does remain on on the with these end to end encrypted email service providers, it does remain encrypted um in your email box. That means mm. that they know they can see, and they have to be able to see who sent stuff when um, to whom, but the content would remain at least on your end completely end-to-end encrypted. Okay. Um, and if you get friends, also colleagues, to start using the simil- a similar system, um, you would be able to have it be end-to-end encrypted. Now, there are two different competing technologies here, ProtonMail uses um, open-source standard, it's called PGP, Pretty Good Privacy um, (laughs) uh, Encryption. That's what Edward Snowden used um, with Glenn Greenwald to communicate with him. Um, That uses a public-private key pair, and you will be able to use that with various services um, externally to the ProtonMail system, if you're willing to figure out how that works. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tutanota um, is trying to be at the vanguard of encryption. And they um, um, they're, they don't, even though PGP is quite publicly accepted and useful, they're trying to develop new things, particularly, particularly new encryption methods that are resistant to quantum computing. Mm. Uh, and the reason this is... I just
0: that, went, mm, like I understand <laughs> what that means.
1: Well, there, there, a new generation of quantum computers are able to do... Uh, factoring of prime numbers, or not factoring of to, to guess basically encryption keys, uh, many orders of magnitude more quickly than traditional uh, processors. Okay, that's and, alarming. Right, and of course these are very expensive, um, proprietary things that only large corporations and governments would be able to purchase. So there is the potential that in the near future. I don't know how near it is, it's five years, if it's two years, if it's 15 years, that large entities would be able to completely un- uh, discover encryption keys and, and, and decrypt Crack everything. Every crack encryption. everything. And the issue with that is that anything that's at rest now and encrypted, um, if it's still encrypted using the same methods on into the future, like you have to assume um, that eventually those encryption keys will be cracked. And so oh. – um, because who knows how long things will stay um, mm. as, as long as they're still encrypted with the old method. Um, and uh, that means they'll eventually be able to be decrypted. Um, so somebody, uh, an organization like Tutanota, and probably eventually ProtonMail, privacy and encryption are their thing. They will eventually adopt um, um, uh, quantum proof uh, encryption wow. for their stuff too. But that will, that will involve um, some... An evolution. So Tutanota is is siding towards um, future-proofing their encryption. They're definitely selling themselves as private and anonymous, etc. Right. And ProtonMail is more um, a little bit more, a little bit easier to use and using more standard technology. That's not. Um, it's perfectly perfectly fine, but it's maybe a slightly less um, paranoid than Tutanota is.
0: Which explains why you're more interested in Tutanota. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well. This is good, and so I think now I, I see the point, and I'm inclined to go with what you say. And but that means the next huge obstacle will be figuring out how to extract myself from a Gmail account that I've had since I think 2007 or 2008. Yeah. So I'm pretty deep into that.
1: Yeah. So what I'm what I'm thinking of doing is um, I have a project which will involve me writing most of the people who I have continuing relationships to um, with Gmail, and simply. In that, start putting in a, a, a signature that mm. says, "I will be moving soon to this new address. Mm. Please put it in your um, in your address book so that you can, right. when you receive messages from me." Yeah, um, you'll know that it's not somebody pretending to be me. Because that is a problem. People will send something from right. a new address. And, you know, right. even Gmail, when you get somebody who says, oh, so-and-so has never written you from this yeah, address, right, right, um, yeah. be careful. Right, right, Which is understandable.
0: Right. And and that way you start establishing the other one as well. And you can also tell people, after a certain point, I will not be responding to the Gmail account. So right. Okay. And you
1: can simply set up Gmail to forward. Now, th- this, yeah. I'm not planning on using this new encrypted email service as some repository for super secret knowledge. It's going to be attached to my real identity, at least parts of it. Mm. Um, I will create, and Tutanota and ProtonMail and other providers allow you to create aliases mm. so that, um, for example, you're not signing up for some random newsletter with the same email you use to sign into your bank accounts. Um, right. So that um, you can keep those identities um, um, siloed or um All right.
0: Apart. Let's let's hold off on that for now. And I think probably we need to do an episode talking about how to think through right. making multiple email address identities yeah. in order to separate out different parts of your life and have the appropriate privacy, encryption, security. Yeah, and that's of that's
1: something I'm still somewhat. Um, It's a working project in my own mind. I'm trying to figure out what, in fact, the best strategy is. There probably isn't one, but there are different ways you can move forward and under the general rubric of try to compartmentalize various aspects of your life.
0: Right. Good in email and cyberspace, not so good psychologically.
1: Right. Okay.
0: All right. Well, we'll come back with that fairly soon, hopefully. All right. Bye.
1: Bye.